guys we have we have another episode of the black create connect podcast so we interview black professionals entrepreneurs and um, creatives and even even psychologists as well i've got my i've got my cousin all the way from jamaica hey. but, 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 but she's actually she's actually killing it like whatever olivia does in life my mom's always like look at your cousin olivia she's on this tv channel she's written this book she's done this so welcome olivia thank to the studio thank you so much for having me thank you thank you it's a lot of energy <laughs> you need it because you yeah, i need yeah i do i really do you just ate and you'll you're yeah to sleep. yeah yeah no but i'll manage <laughs> yeah okay so i guess just to give you a brief i never really prepare any guests i just like to kind of come in and just flow with it mm-hmm. um so you're currently a sports psychologist for anyone Correct. that doesn't know. So for those that don't know what a sports psychologist is, would you mm-hmm. like to elaborate on what a sports psychologist is? Okay, so a sports psychologist is someone who is trained in the field of sports psychology, mm. which is a multidisciplinary approach. Mm. And we help athletes, uh, coaches, and the entire team to be at a state of readiness, mentally mm. and emotionally, mm. especially as it relates to preparing them for competition. Mm. That, that's it in a nutshell. Mm. How we deliver um, these uh, and ensure that mm. this takes place is through individual and group sessions. Mm. And uh, as you know, mental health being a priority, now we have to ensure that persons are mentally healthy and fit to compete. Mm. And we place great priority on that. Why did you decide to become a sports psychologist? Alicia, really? (laughs) (laughs) So I decided to become a sports psychologist actually by default. So when I was in grade nine, I knew that I wanted to be a psychologist because I'd done some tests and I'd scored high on the helping profession. And at the time, my one of my aunts in America bought a book and it showed that a psychologist could be one of those persons. Mm. So my, my final year book in high school said I wanted to be a clinical or a child psychologist. Mm. So I kind of knew what I wanted to be, but I did not choose sport. Mm. I ended up being a sports psychologist because I needed to do a practicum for my final year in my master's program. Mm. And I decided I wasn't going to go off campus. So I found the sports department at the University of the Western is Mona. Why did you want to go off, off campus? Well, Such a diva. No. <laughs> I'm not going off campus. I'm not because, I, you know, <laughs> funny enough, I, I wasn't able to go off campus because when I did the mathematics and did the calculation, I don't think it would have been financially viable for me to do so. So right. I was like, you know what? Let me stay on campus. And in saying the obstacle became the way. Mm. And so I met Grace Jackson, an Olympian. Mm. And she was the head of the sports department at the time. Mm. And I was um, supervised by Dr. Talora Reynolds, who is the head of the student services and development program at the University of the West Indies, Mona. Mm. So I, I applied myself. I had to learn so many things about the life of an athlete. Um, some of them were not fun, especially like the, tra- like the training part of it. I I was not enthused about that initially because I would have to uh, wake pretty early with the athletes, go and observe them in training, um, deliver different types of workshops, whether we're focusing on concentration, visualization, mindfulness, different... Um, but you would have to carry those workshops up with them? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. And therefore, I, but also in carrying out those workshops um, from the psychological components of it, I had to not only research that element, but I still needed to be familiar with with sports world, sports language, mm. sports people, how they think, how they operate, how they they um, interact with people, mm. their little world. And believe me, it's little, but it's large at the same time. Mm. And it was a lot of work, especially the early morning waking up. And that's why I say when people, especially J- Jamaicans, because we are very, we are highly competitive. Mm. We have a very competitive environment. I'd mm. say to persons, don't think that you want to win more than the athlete. They have been behind the scenes for a couple of months mm. and, and trying to achieve their goal, working towards goal attainment. Mm. So when they don't, believe me, they, f- they feel... They feel very badly about it and uh, for the rest of the world to be coming down so harshly on them, sometimes it's really unnecessary and mean, but it also helps to to build mental toughness. Mm. So, So I guess... Up until this point, I was thinking, why is a sports psychologist needed for a sports team? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because they go through the, they must go through ups and downs of mm-hmm. like wins and mm-hmm. losses. And it's not just them feeling it as well, it's their fans or their countries and everything as it's, well. It's everybody that's yeah. connected with them. And not only that, athletes, as I've always said, they are human beings too. Yeah. Coaches are human beings. They leave their family, they have relationship issues, yeah. they have um emotional issues in terms of knowing when to control very strong emotions that can prevent them from doing their work. So if this is what you do professionally or as a marketer, as a talent management um, personnel, nobody sees you when you are making a mistake. The entire world is seeing you, especially depending on the type of athlete that you are. Mm. And you're trying to make sense of your world too. So that's where that's very essential. Um, That's where the role of a sports psychologist comes into play to help Mm. you to manage and navigate all those... uh, facets of life and and help you to cope well with the, the challenges when they come because losses mm. and and losing are very frequent occurrences in yeah, sport and yeah. you have to learn how to deal with these and and so too with victories because yeah. being successful can also cause people to to experience depression or have depressive symptoms really? as well yes how so, why because um Success maintenance is critical. So, you know, sometimes it's a one-off situation for a person and then they have a lot of supporters, a lot of fans, and then they can't seem to repeat that again. And Mm. that may affect their income because if you're not able to perform at your optimal, Mm. it will impact your endorsement deals and so on. So Mm. success maintenance, when you get to the top of the mountain there's another mountain to climb or you need to keep being on that mountain because it's easy for you to not be there. Mm. So in your career so far, what type of teams have you worked across and like regions? Cause I know you've traveled a lot. You've been around the block a little bit. So like, give us like a overview of the type of teams you've worked across and where. Okay. So sports and based on the nature of the job that I do, it takes you also away from family and traveling very frequently to different places. Sometimes you don't really experience the place because you're at work, mm. um, but you are there nonetheless. Mm. And I've worked with uh, athletes and coaches mm. from 13 different sports. I don't think I remember Mm-mm. all of them, but of course, 13. let me list some of them, yes. And I'm still learning some of them. So there is track and field, football, cricket, netball, volleyball, 
swimming. Oh my gosh, I really am happy that I remembered swimming because the swimmers I work with would probably not forgive me for this. Um, table tennis, golf. Uh, I am missing out some. I'm I'm stuck at what eight. There are five more, and I can't remember <laughs> them right now. Basketball, netball. thank you. I did say netball. Okay. Yes, thank you. I'm glad that I remember rugby, basketball. American football, rugby, rugby. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you. What What's been the hardest type of sports? Um, I guess team or sportsmen to kind of work with. Wow, Alicia, I I'd, I'd have wished if you didn't ask me that one, but that, I'm gonna try to answer it. Working with. Certain types of sport with a, a a gender that's similar to mine. So sometimes yeah. when I'm working with an all female team, it can be very challenging, but not impossible. Um, simply because based on my experience, mm. I found that the male team initially mm. will seem more open and receptive. Mm initially but then they close off sometimes mm. but the female teams they are usually harder from the get-go really but once you once you break that barrier you're you're on cruise mode why is it harder what do you think it is i don't know it's a it's a combination of a lot of things i mean i guess being this um the same sex as they they are for the female team mm. you know um it's like, let me size her up. Let me see what she's about. Let me, you know. Mm. But then once you can prove authenticity and so on, then you're good to go. But then mm. the males now, because I'm a female, it's an opposite um, situation. So they're like, okay, I want to see the sports psychologist. When can I see the sports psychologist? Oh, is it? And they, uh, they appear, they appear oh very open and receptive mm. until we are going to get down to... Um, the root causes of some things and then they start to close off and so on. But then the thing about sports psychology and working with a sports psychologist, it's a relationship building um, kind of job. So it takes years for some for you to reach some people, sometimes really? days, sometimes moments. You just never know, but it is a process. And trust is very critical and trust isn't something that happens overnight. So how long do you work with a team for? Well, it depends on on the team. It depends on the resources. Yeah. Because currently where I'm from, Jamaica, and practicing in Jamaica and the English-speaking Caribbean, yeah. it's uh, resources in terms of having a sports psychologist on board can mm. be difficult because sometimes other members of the support staff are not even there. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm seen as a luxury item even really? though that's not so and should not be so because it's an essential that's that part. mental health. Correct. Yeah. But um, because this is a relatively new field, and I say new field, not to say this these practices didn't exist before, mm. but people would say, okay, there was no sports psychologist 30 years ago when the team was doing very well, so why do mm. we need one now? Mm. So we have a lot of challenges in terms of trying to, to prove the value and the need and how essential we are, even though it's screaming out at you in, in so many instances. And we have different elite athletes who will attest to the need of um, having a sports psychologist and working with one. So that's that's one of the challenges that I face. If you could do it all, all over again, would you still do this career? Would you change? <laughs> well, I, I would... I would yeah 
I probably would do would, it. I would do it again. it sounds like a lot. Like anything that's psychology or therapist based, I think mm-hmm. you have to be a strong person. You do. Because you're taking on a lot. Oh, yes. It, <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I mean, I would do it over. I mean, I, I thought quickly and I was going to say, yeah, I'd probably really try to be a model. Because I always wanted to be a mother. Maybe I love right? taking pictures. Well, yes, yes, for sure, right? Um, but I'd still, I'd still want to be a sports psychologist, not even a clinical psychologist, or uh, even though you have you have clinical sports psychologist. Mm. Um, and I am actually a, a sports organizational psychologist, so I do work in organizations to help improve in terms of team performance right, okay. and um, organizational related things that impact human development and how we work together as teams and to increase productivity and so on. The same thing, similar to how we get athletes to perform at their optimal in a different space. It's just a sporting context. But I'd, I like being a sports psychologist because there are days when I just never know what's going to happen, no matter how prepared you are. Mm. So the challenge is there. And then outside of it being challenging, you get to make a real meaningful impact on person's life. Sometimes they won't admit it. Sometimes long after because i tell you you don't really know even though it's measurable but you can't tell when um a technique or a change will occur or how long you'll be able to really see the the benefits of all your labor Mm. but it does happen and and it's a really good feeling to know that you have impacted somebody in a positive way and you've Mm. helped Mm. in um assisting somebody to achieve a goal that they probably thought was not possible or needed some redirection in terms of how they achieved this. So, yeah. Okay, so I want to do some role play right now because I want to see how you're actually, how you are in action. <laughs> so I am a female basketball player. You're working on my team and we've just lost a match. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I was really slow. I don't know. I'm, I'm making up a scenario. Okay, so, you and, were I, so... and, and I'm talking to you. Doctor, do people say Dr. Olivia? They, they do. They say Dr. Rose. Dr. Rose. By the way, I can call Elizia, Olivia Dr. Rose because she's got a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so let's focus. Please, <laughs> please, let's focus. And I've just lost a game mm-hmm. and it's been a trend recently. I just keep, I'm getting slower on the call. I'm gaining weight. I'm not fit as, as fit as as I need to be as well. And to be honest, I just don't even know if basketball's for me anymore. What are you going to say to me? All right, that's good. We can start with that, even though I need to get some more data from you in terms of how long have you been playing the sport, what age group you are, but that's okay. We'll take what you've just presented. I mean, there are some things that you want to allow the athlete to realize, and it's what's within your control. So definitely the the weight gain is Mm. within your control because you would have been an athlete for a period of time. Mm. So it's it's either that you're going to be controlling the intake of your food, you're going to be working more with the the trainer, the physical trainer, and your coach to, to, to determine what is the weight that you need to be at. And these things are within your control. Now, as it relates to your technique and how you are moving on the court, that's based on... That's within your control as well, but it's a team sport. So mostly what I hear is possibly things that's happening in terms of your own dialogue, right? So why is it that this is happening to you repeatedly? Because you said it repeatedly, right? Mm. But it could be as a result of a whole combination of things. So we would have to really, which is why I say to people, what I do is not a quick fix. Because sometimes you are presented with just a small amount of data 
which is important and you can do something with that but as you get to know the person more you get to understand that probably they they didn't um they didn't rest properly uh probably they're anxious when they hear somebody shouting at them mm. uh probably there's an injury you know so mm. many other things so we need to know what exactly it is and it takes time mm. so it's not a it's not a quick fix approach mm. but there are a lot of things that we need to identify that's what's within your control and what's outside of your control mm. so once we are able to identify those then we can now decide okay this is what we're gonna do mm. and if it is that you have had success before we need to take you back to that place to help you to know remember what you did at that time mm. to help you to um, replicate that kind of scenario on the court but then i don't work by myself i work with a team of people uh. so sometimes we have to uh compare notes not in terms of revealing anything confidential that the athlete would have said to me in a session but as it relates to their performance and so on so mm. it's a team approach it's a holistic approach and it takes time mm-hmm. that's a good answer i feel like you can um adapt what you just said to everything in life in general because if you feel like you're not fa- you're not um i guess you're failing in certain areas or you're not achieving what you want to achieve you can kind of take that approach what's in my control what's outside of my control very good like like what can i do mm-hmm. i find it's easier said than done though for sure it is and and that's why i like talking with you alicia because you know how to keep it real um it is easier said than done but it's possible you know, mm. once you are, and that's the thing about mental toughness. Mental mm. toughness um, requires discipline, mm. and discipline in many times require you doing what you know you you're supposed to do, even when you don't feel like doing it. Mm. So you're not always going to feel like, because there's no athlete that I know that that I've worked with or in the world <laughs> that always feel like they they should be at training and they feel so motivated every single day. No, yeah. But these are things that you know that you need to do because. When you do them and you keep doing them, they bring you closer to your goal. So if it is that you're going back to school, this is uh, because you have a goal in mind and you should keep at it even when it gets difficult because it will get difficult, Mm -hmm. right? So it's really about how you apply yourself, sticking to the plan. And when the plan isn't working, evaluating what is still within your control Mm -hmm. that you can still, you know, maneuver and still take charge without blaming and we, in psychology, we call that, you know, without having too high of an external locus of control. Mm. So you look at what's within your control that you can do. What's within your control? Thinking positive. Mm. Surrounding yourself with people who yeah. believe in you. Yeah. And um, those things are, we, we say them and and people say, oh, yes, that's easy. And that's, but I have that. But do you really have that? Because the thoughts that you have by yourself can really take a toll on you, especially if they're negative. And then worse, if you have to share them with people who are going to tell you, no, that's not going to make any sense. That's not going to work. And this is not to say that you don't want a critical feedback, you know, mm. but you need to really, within your control, as much as it is possible, have a, have a positive attitude, be grateful, and say, what is what is this here to teach me? Because mm. when I started in sport, I, well, I'm, I'm not an athlete. Uh, I'm no obviously into fitness and Mm. i am more aware of a lot of the things that i didn't know before Mm. but sports was not my forte and Mm. i had to learn a lot of things Mm. and i had to challenge myself and i knew that i could not make any excuses and there were several that i could make 
and I had to research and mm. do the work. So it's it's not just about thinking positively. You have to put in the work. There are no excuses for not putting in the work. In mm. fact, I categorize it as losers are the ones who make excuses. No. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you say that? Because winners... Ooh, that kind of hurts a little bit. Yes, it's harsh, but sports is harsh too. You know, it's not it's not always about oh this nice comfortable situation. No, sometimes you have to go from tough and, and difficult circumstances. So when I say losers make excuses, that's exactly what I mean. And um winners find ways in which they can improve um what it is that they need to assess to get better mm. and they take more personal responsibility. I'm not saying that they take all of the responsibility, right? That's a completely different thing. But the people who keep whining and complaining and and finding all the faults or all the reason why they didn't a- achieve... Believe me, we have... If we want to dissect that, we can spend all evening here why we didn't achieve a goal. And it would be plausible reasons. So if, It's true, you know. Yeah. You're right. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I had this moment. This is so random and irrelevant, but I made a mistake this week with a client that I was working with mm-hmm. where something went wrong. And I was writing the email and I was just giving her all the reasons as to why the thing didn't happen, mm-hmm. how it was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I deleted it. I was like, do you know what? Let me just apologise and say it won't happen again. Because me listening out all these reasons is just excuses to them. They're like, where's that accountability? And that's something that I've had to learn with, um, I guess, age as well. Very Because good. I'm so, I'm, I guess, even younger, I was so used to be like, but no, but this is what happened and this is what happened. And getting into that mindset of just taking accountability and be like, do you know what? Let's just improve it. Very good. You know? That A word, right. accountability. Yeah. And, and everything else outside of taking accountability is excuses. So Yeah. People it's harsh though. Yeah, it is. It's, it it kind of hurts. Every time you say it, it kind of hurts me. Okay, so let me, let me see. I'll, I'll reconstruct that. No, it's fine. It's and, fine. And keep, say, no, because keep it real. You, you have some people who like, you know, they, they want they want to hear it in a in a more... A soft way. Yeah. No, but it's fine. We can just be straight. So, so people who don't... And this doesn't mean that... You see, accountability is key. So yeah. if you can remember that... Forget everything else I said. Yeah. And just remember, accountability is key. And, yeah. and what it is that I am taking accountability for. Yeah. And am I still doing the same things that caused me not to achieve my goal? Yeah. And expect a different result. So it's exactly. the same thing with an athlete. Yeah. The same thing with a team, which is one of the things where I really like um, about team sport and working in organizations. Mm-hmm. Because when you can get people to to buy into a goal and to work towards a goal mm. then you minimize a lot of excuses so mm. everybody is accountable for him or herself mm. and then we hold each other accountable mm. and that, that. that that actually helps in you achieving any goal whether mm. on the court off the court in the pool etc right mm-hmm. as a woman mm-hmm. in sports how do you think you've thrived Start with that question first. Thrived is a very interesting question. That's that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful question. And a, your, because there's power being the black woman in sports. That's so. such a beautiful question in 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 the country that I predominantly practice. Um, simply because there are so many loops that we have. To, we meaning the black woman mm. um she has to navigate right and I've in an all black to, country in an all black country because as much as we are being uh, um first of all it's still a patriarchal society and mm. um jamaica even though 
people will say it's it's matriarchal based on family setting and so on and it definitely has a matrifocal um, aspect of it it's highly patriarchal as well so what do i mean by this mm. <sighs> i don't want to say it's a boys club but the boys it's club a... rain, okay and this does not mean that there aren't opportunities for women and black women in a black country but the challenges are there so i say to people i i i don't represent all women and i can't but i represent uh black women in sport mm. and in a country too where i'll be on a sporting board and i'm the only female on the, the the board and that's that's important i take that role very seriously because it's not because um so i i also don't think that just because you are female you are to be on a board it's it's really about you having the competency to be there and the value added that you will bring mm. but it's challenging and challenging in the sense that you have to work twice three times as hard as the males to 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 show your worth to be taken seriously mm. and because of this nurturing element that the profession itself comes with in terms of being a psychologist being a female again is like okay olivia can you come and work with this team because f for the experience mm. and then it's like um we don't have the money to pay you but we really want you to the work is forever free correct but it's not that i don't think they'll approach the males like that but of course it, it, not. It's it's to appeal again to this that nurturing yeah. element of what it means to be a woman, and then sport for the most part is predominantly male, but yeah. it is changing now, and that's that's very good. But yeah. the challenges have been there, and I know that having worked in the field for the past fourteen years, my journey and the trajectory would have been a lot easier had I been male. And I'm not asking, really? I'm saying, I'm telling. Tell yeah. us why you think that, though. That's interesting. Because the, the opportunities that... It's almost like human resource or talent management. People complain that men get greater pay. But mm. most of the talent management personnel are women mm. who also um, allocate greater salaries to men. And now, as a woman in sport now, the opportunities is like I have to, to, to work twice, three times as hard to prove that I'm competent to do a job. While my male counterpart does not have to do all of that. But it is what it is and I am, I am doing what I can do. And I have had to use a lot of the mental skills and training mm. that I impart on athletes with myself because the journey has not been easy and um it's very much self-directed after i'd finished my masters and i have been assisted and supported by other people and by um men and women in sports but the journey has been challenging what mental practices do you have to kind of do to kind of stay on top? Because it's, it's hard, I guess, when you're an underrepresented person in any environment. So it'll be interesting to know what you do because I'm sure people can benefit from mm -hmm. knowing. All right. So for one, believing in yourself is critical. So like I, I believe that I can do it. Mm. And so 
that belief takes me and propels me right through but it is really difficult sometimes and therefore it's what i practice is having a positive mindset so mm. yes there are 101 things that really aren't working but let me try to 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 think about gratitude in terms of what i can be grateful for so Alicia has helped mm-hmm. me and so on. And I can find people who have helped me. And the more you focus on what um, you want mm-hmm. and the people who have been supportive and are supportive, it's the more you actually get more of that. Because like I said, uh, losers make excuses, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's, it is from this place that I say that too. If I, I, I can choose, I could have chosen to focus on all the things uh, that aren't working out mm. all the challenges all the setbacks mm. all the um we we can't do this or we can't afford you and it's not a, even about the money or this is not important i yeah. could have i could have really just stopped from about 2009 and just said listen this is way too haphazard and there are way too many no's that i'm getting and people don't see the value of this I could have stopped, but I didn't because there were cheerleaders. And there, the thing is, when you're really passionate about achieving a goal, mm. you will find the support that's needed mm. if you are looking for that. Mm. If you're looking for a way to cop out, believe me, you'll also find that. Mm. So you'll find whatever it is you need to support your work in theory. Mm. So, of course, staying calm because sometimes the pressure really hits you. Yeah. And, and breathing exercises are important. Yes, sending oxygen mm. deliberately around your body is very important. Positive self-talk, being mindful, mm. just allowing the moment to be, um, focusing on what you want to achieve, being determined, and avoiding negative and toxic people. Mm, that's very, a click, click, yeah, click, yeah, click, I know, click, right? Click, click. <laughs> because no, it's but the thing is, mm. I agree with you so much, and I say this all the time. I mm. think. When you surround yourself with people that point out the negative, you will start to see the negative in every situation and then that affects your whole demeanour and you just become a person that's constantly pissed off. And the thing is, it's not not like you don't have your own doubts about the thing, you know, so if you keep on and it's not, there's a difference between avoiding negative and toxic people versus avoiding people who will give you honest feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's completely different, right? Um, but then if you are like, you know, you have some people, they have a problem for every solution. Listen, I'm in a, I'm in a bubble. Even <laughs> before there was uh, the bubble that COVID had created that I avoid those people. Okay. Yeah. So I'm very self-directed in terms of that. So I use some of the same techniques and, and just take breaks too. Yeah. So breaks are very good for your mental health. I'll be the first to say that I'm actually on a break now, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, but that, that's the theme of my podcast. Everyone says this. Yeah, no, no. Breaks are breaks. Yeah. Breaks are critical. And if you don't take a break, life will break you. Yeah, yeah. So breaks are very important. And, and it's just about allowing you to reset, you know, just like yeah. any, any gadgets you have, you can, you have a reset button and sometimes you really get drained and you just mm. need a moment away to be with the people who recharge and refuel you and so on. So yeah, I tell you, England is my happy place. I'm with family that allows me to oh, recharge. Oh, yeah. that's nice. See, <laughs> see, so, what, so what I was going to say is that obviously you're, you're based in Jamaica and you're looking to come to, to London, well, not even just London, Leicester, the yeah. UK. <laughs> to to come and work Mm -hmm. right now big cultural difference big cultural shock Mm -hmm. are you ready do you know what the difference is in working in this england (laughs) my answer to you would be no and yes i mean i studied here so i have a 
little idea, but studying here is different from working here because and living. No, and working and living. Mm. But what I know is that, as I said earlier, the obstacle is the way, and not only is it the way, but readiness is um, is a mindset. Mm. You know, you're never ever gonna be fully ready for anything mm. because the moment of absolute certainty never yeah, arises. Yeah, yeah. However, what I do know is that I'm willing to take that risk. I'm not coming here as a novice. I'm coming as an expert yeah. in a different culture. So I'm also open and adaptable to what that may bring. So that's the most I can say. And I'm looking forward to the experience when it presents itself. Yeah. And we keep it moving and keep it positive. And, and all of those things that I have mentioned a while ago. So I like to speak things into existence, right? Mm-hmm. Openly. And I know you don't want to be specific with what you want to speak into existence, but what, what's <laughs> ideal for you kind of coming to the UK? What's the next ideal step? So the next ideal step really would be working with a Premier League football team, right? Like one of those okay. major ones. And even a minor one, you know, because we work with the hand that we're dealt with in the best way we know, right? That's a good shout, you know, because I know quite a few football agents, actually. Are they helpful people to know or no? They're helpful people to yeah. know. Okay, maybe there's some football agents that I can... Football agents out there that I know <laughs> as well. Feel free to hit me up. Um, who else? What other job titles are useful? Um, other job titles that are useful would be anything in wellness. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so anyone... Wellness and mental health. Okay. In organisations, yeah. Okay, perfect. And they, they will see that as a priority in this England you versus know, this Jamaica. Is, <laughs> well... Yeah, for sure. And and the thing is, at home, they are seeing it as a priority, but priority in terms of, of discussion, not on paper. Right, you know, Implementing see. it. So it's I not see. like we don't know that this is important. Right. Because we do, but culturally, there are some, some resistance as it relates to that because right. we want to be seen as strong, right, especially given our colonial past and so on. So seeking help, yeah. is considered weak, you know, and seeking help generally though, yeah. but especially to us, it, it defiles our identity of being independent. By the way, this interview is being aired on Independence Day in Jamaica. So happy Independence Day, hey, Jamaica. Happy yeah. Independence Day, guys. <laughs> so yeah, so so those are the things that we we have to, we are faced with as challenges, but I mean, it's not like we don't see the importance of it. It's it's slowly but surely getting there. I mean, 14 yeah. years later, yeah. I, I don't have to be saying or trying to convince a team why they should work with a sports psychologist. They're now reaching out to me. That's a major yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, major, major win. And, you know, just sticking through the to the path because no journey that is successful or worth having is easy. And even if it becomes, if he, even if it's easy, um, the maintenance of that success yeah. is, is not a walk in the park. So yeah. it's really about your mindset and you really making less excuses. So like if I've not said anything that you can take away from this, I mean, I won't be harsh, Alicia. No, it's fine. <laughs> be, be harsh. Sorry, right. guys. We have to be honest. So. Right. So it's... Yeah, well, I'm not supposed to be harsh any at all, okay? I'm <laughs> supposed to be nice and welcoming <laughs> and accommodating. But I'll still call you out because accountability is key. Yeah. I think I like how you said it best. But you know what I'd say? Losers make excuses, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what the title of this podcast is going to be. Losers make excuses. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. So I guess... um. If for anyone that is potentially listening that might be th- might be thinking I'm going to refer Olivia for a job, mm-hmm. 
what makes you stand out? Why should someone want to work with you? Okay, let me sit up for this one because I, I think that I'm in an interview. So yes, <laughs> what makes me stand out is because one, with Olivia, you win. Like that's the one thing. Oh! Like, no, no, for real, real, but not Jamaican only, mindset. Where is mindset? I know, I know, but no, outside <laughs> of that, right? Um, and I, again, some may look at that as arrogance and conf- or confidence. I train athletes to be confident. There is no way that I'm going to come here and not be confident or exude that. Yeah. Because and that's where the authenticity comes in. So also with me, you win, but with me, you also get a very authentic person who's inclusive mm. and adaptable, mm. open to change, willing to take a risk, and very reflective to see mm. what is the best way and how we can keep on improving. Hired, hey, I know, right? Hired. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna get a team now and let let Olivia train train them. I guess as well as the um the sports psychologist side of you. I know you've got so many other aspects to who you are and what you do. And whilst we're about to wrap up, I just want to make sure we get in all your accolades because they're worth noting. So. Would you like Would to you, you actually remember them more than I do? <laughs> and I and I listen, I think Alicia is the most convincing person I know, and I know a lot of people who try to convince people, myself included, but we gave it over to Alicia. So I I have written five books. Wow! Sometimes I five books. Boy, yes. Um wait, what hold on, what are they called? So, so people So there is Live Inspired, Live Without an E. So it's okay. L-I-V, yeah. that's my pet name, Live Inspired okay. by Olivia Rose. Okay. And there is Viva Inspirado, which is the Spanish version of it that was released in 2010. I love that. And Inclusivity. Then, yes. Go on. And uh, they're all available on Amazon, by the way. Um, Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. Mm-hmm. And then there is the ABCs of Caribbean... T- Marketing and psychology. I almost forgot the name of the book that I co-authored with Carol Beckford. Okay, and uh, that's an easy read. You know, it gives you an introduction as to how we um, conceptualize and practice sport marketing and psychology in mm. the Caribbean. And then I have written two guided journals on letting go and forgiveness, mm. and on appreciation. I love these. That's putting out... Do you know what? When you're putting out such positivity into the world, like, you've got no choice but to be blessed back. Like, you're going... You're destined for more blessings. And you've got blessings already, but even more. So that's the five books, guys. Find them on on Amazon. What else do we... What other accolades do we have? I honestly don't know. I can't remember them right now. You've been on TV shows. The thing is, you see, remember how we are raised, and I don't know why Alicia finds this difficult to understand... We are raised to be very excellent. humble, yeah, and, yeah, and so our family members, humble like and excellent. I, we we, I'll be able to say what it is that you do greater than I'd be able to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, we're like you'd that. Be to, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, which is not good. No, we need to be able to remember these things and and really market ourselves. But you've, you've right? got a master's, you've got a PhD, mm-hmm. degree. Yeah. So I've I've studied to the terminal level. So I have mm-hmm. a. A PhD in sociology that I completed at the University of Leicester mm. with a concentration on sport, leisure and sport mm. and a Master's of Science in Applied Psychology from the University of the West Indies, Mona Campus mm. and a Bachelor's of Science in Psychology and Spanish from the same institution and a teaching diploma in advanced adult learning from City and Guilds in the UK as well, and uh, I'm a licensed. Did I? How could I forget this? I'm a licensed sports psychologist in Jamaica. 
Mm-hmm. There we go. And you've done lecturing as well, but yes. you know, you're you're available for yes. guest lectures only. Yeah, guest lectures only available only. for, for so guest I lectures used only. I to teach, and that's a very noble profession. I absolutely love teaching. I've been teaching from 2006 at the tertiary level, and um, I don't teach anymore, but no, I am the sports psychologist for the University of the West Indies Mona campus. Okay. And all the campuses that, that have the faculty of sports. So okay. Barbados, Trinidad, and... Uh, I'm missing out one right now. Okay. That would be open campus. Yes. So once okay. you're the faculty of sport, I'm the sports psychologist for the faculty of sport at okay. the University of the West Indies Mona campus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wicked. But you're doing like extremely well. Excellent. And I bring black excellence on here. And everyone is excellent in their own way and sure. where we're all growing and thriving to be even greater. I'm not even excellent, right? And I'm trying to, you I know, em- 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 embody. Uh, I'm not excellent right now. I'll soon be excellent, right? So in the process of getting In, in the process. In we process. All are in that process. In that process. Even the people that you consider to be excellent. No, it's true. Right. It's true. Everyone's even. Everyone's always getting better and better. But thank you for taking some thank time you out. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and um, yeah, man. I just. Um, I'm wishing you the best of luck. I can't wait for you to move to London, Leicester, wherever it is, and thrive in your career. Yes, thank you so much, and the same to you. Congrats on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And where yeah. can where can people find you and connect with you? Oh, thank you for that question. See, I'm not good at this part. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Olivia K. Rose at Instagram and it's Olivia K. Rose at Twitter. So O L I V I A K R O S E at Twitter. At uh, fake, no, not Facebook. At Instagram. No, do me over that part. Where can we find you? Where's okay, so you can easily find me on Instagram or Twitter at Olivia K. Rose. O L I V I A K R O S E, or it's just Olivia Kiros at Gmail. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So don't forget to buy her books on Amazon and share them with your friends. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you on another episode of the Black Crate Connect podcast. Woo!